Welcome back in everyone to another fabulous episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are joined today by two wonderful artists with a great new show to tell us about. Joining us, we have the playwright and composer Victor Jones and the director Alicia Hominga, who are with Moon School which is playing October 2nd through the 10th at The Tank. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting thetanknyc.org. We are very excited to be bringing you this show. We're very excited to have these artists on our show to tell us more. So with that, let's welcome on Victor Alicia. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you. Thank you. Very excited to have you both here. Very excited to hear more about this show, which, Victor, in the description you sent over to me, I, like, immediately eyebrows raised, head cocked to the side. I was like, go on. Um, Why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit more about Moon School, Victor? Sure. So it's a play, a magical realist piece about roughly based on some personal experiences I had at a boarding school for troubled teens when I was 13 and 14. And it takes the very literal metaphor of facing your childhood by a journalist returns to the school as an adult to write something of a takedown piece. And he finds his child self and his childhood best friend who is supposed to be deceased currently attending the school. And so it becomes a literal kind of time travel situation where he has to directly look his trauma in the face in a very literal way, you know, and talk to the kids and stuff. Yeah. There's wow. also murderous scorpions and there were talking trees. There aren't talking trees anymore. It's that kind of thing. You know, there's, there's all these magical, wonderful, splendid things that are all serving as metaphors for em- emotional things. You know, none of it is without, without thought. That's very interesting, and I love it because it's also kind of a timely thing. You know, we've heard stories similar to this that have happened, especially, you know, I'm from Utah. I've heard many, many tales like this happen. I'm curious to know, where did you come up with the inspiration or the idea to to kind of write this? Well, I attended a, a wilderness program in Utah. I then, at, at age 13, I then was moved to a boarding school in Idaho where I met Charlie, who is the basis for Charlie in the play, my late friend. And he, and then I, I was then moved finally to my last boarding school, which was in South Georgia, which was the model for the school in the play. So I kind of c- composited a few different elements of my experience and then threw some magic on it, you know? That's incredible. So this is very much a self, well, sort of a self autobiographies dare i say yeah so so it's it's interesting because the actual journey of me writing the play has kind of paralleled the journey of the play well the the biggest element of this would be a spoiler but i won't say it but basically the d- decisions i've made in the rewriting process have paralleled decisions that the protagonist has to make with regards to his own self care and self love in the play and they have happened as concurrently so in a way it's what i say is not not all of it is real but all of it is true you know that kind of thing yeah i love that i really love that i want to bring on our director now alicia because i'm interested to know alicia how did you come upon this show yeah absolutely so victor and i actually met doing musical improv at the people's improv theater in may of 2022 
to. And for those of you who know the pit, there's a bar that's associated with the People's Improv Theater that everyone always goes to after all the jams. So we were there, we were both there drinking and we were just chatting about the different things that we do. And at the time I was transitioning positions from being production manager at the Lee Strasberg Institute into doing arts administration at the Juilliard School. And I was like, but I want to do neither of these things. I really want to be a director. And I, and then Victor was like, well, guess what? I've written a play and I'd love for you to read it. So then over last summer, I read the play and actually I, I, I'm credited as Victor and I have, have really become a team in a lot of ways. So I'm credited as kind of like director and developer of the show. Over the summer, we really nailed down different elements of the show itself, really kind of bringing to all of these big ideas and really meaningful things that Victor has written into being like, well, how does this work in the space? I did a lot of dramaturgy work with this show and and being like, how is this, what does this actually look like? What is, what are, what is the mechanics of this world that you're creating? What is, what are the, uh, what are the time elements? How does that work? Just kind of asking a lot of questions and getting a lot of answers. And yeah, so just through that kind of collaboration, I became the director of the show. We did a reading back in February, a reading series at Balance Arts Center, and I directed that. And then it got picked up at the tank. And I've been really grateful to be directing a full production. I love that. What a journey this show has gone on already, it sounds like. And I want to build on that and ask you, Alicia, what has it been like developing this particular iteration of Moon School at the tank? Yes, it, it's been quite interesting. There's so many different dynamics that have come into play regarding, you know, on on a really basic level, how do we put this show on? So Victor kind of touched on the whole, you know, this journalist, Wolfie, goes back to his school, the the, the school that he went to, the Linda Moon School for Troubled Boys. And time is kind of coming in on itself. He sees himself and his, you know, his younger self and his best friend and really honing in on like how these spaces are going to be created and the the designs and the, the staging of all of these different elements. And just like Victor, I won't spoil anything, but there is in the second act, like a, a space where time kind of implodes. How do we show time imploding on stage, specifically on a black box stage at the tank? So that was really fun to figure out. And also we have these beautiful panels that were designed by my friend Marin, who I went to school with. And the bases of them were designed by this beautiful, this wonderful scenic designer, Molly, who lives in Pennsylvania. And putting those two elements together, we actually have these these gorgeous hand-drawn panels that move and shift into different spaces and times. And so we're able to, the script and the staging is able to move as like as swiftly and as smoothly as the plot itself does. And so working at the tank has been really incredible. They're such a wonderful space for new artists and new art. And they've been very supportive with the different things that we're bringing in and the complicated nature of our show. And I've really enjoyed working with everybody there. That's fantastic. Victor, I want to bring you back in as the playwright and composer. And I want to know with this wonderful personal story, that you've got here. Is there a message or a thought you're hoping the audiences will take away? 
Yeah, absolutely. So it's a very heavy show. It's a fun show. It's a thrilling show, but it's also heavy. It has an element of grief, you know, permeating through it. But I think ultimately the message is very positive. I think it's very, it's all in favor of, you know, staying alive and caring for yourself and loving yourself and loving your child self too. Loving, loving the pieces of you that you, maybe you struggle with in your, in your, in your cognition. And I, I think the, the, the lesson that the protagonist learns is a fundamentally a lesson of self-care. And I think it's a lesson that I started learning as the play was being written. And I, yeah, I think it's super universal in its way because there, I think everyone has something in their past that they'd like to go back and change. And I think everyone would do well to realize that they can't. And the only thing they can change is themselves now. And so I don't think there's any person in this world that can't relate to that. Um, in fact, I've had a few people come up to me after various readings of this and open up to me about their their version of Charlie, their version of the trauma they went through as a child or whatever it may be, and how this show resonated with them. I, well, I can't share that story, but yeah, it's, it's been beautiful. So I think, yeah, positive message about self-care and loving yourself for who you are is, is kind of the end, end, end game there. That's wonderful. That is a wonderful message. And one that I think needs to be spread more, especially these days. Mm-hmm. Alicia, how about you as the director? Is there a message or thought you're hoping the audiences will take away from the show? I absolutely want to uplift everything that Victor just said. I think that it's, like they said, a very universal message, a very, it's something that everyone can connect with. And it really is a message of for like self-forgiveness, healing yourself and just healing and being able to accept the grief that you have and not not dismiss it not say oh this can't I can't think about this I can't integrate this into my life but being like you are your past and to in order to embrace your future you also have to accept that I think that there's a lot of there's also something we haven't quite touched on yet is that there's a lot of queer elements to this show the main character the the younger version and the older version of the protagonist are queer. The younger version, you know, exploring that queerness and, and figuring out how he feels about his best friend and such like that. And so I think that there's a lot along those lines of think, talking about, you know, personal acceptance and making, I do feel like we make a statement about allowing children to explore that version of themselves and not demonizing it, which I think is a very important message to have at this moment when so many places and so many schools are saying, this is wrong. You can't be this way. You can't feel this way. And we also have, so just to have that scene on stage and to say like, this is, this is a good thing. This is a positive thing. I hope will resonate with audiences as well. I love that. And I completely agree. Again, a a very timely and important message. You both are nailing it on the head with how important this show is. So I want to wrap up this first part of the interview with one of my favorite questions to ask, which is who do you hope have access to your show? And Alicia, I want to start with you on that. 
Sure. Yeah. So I think because it's such a a universal message, it, it's easy to have the umbrella of like everyone will feel good about this show. But I think in like specifically, we really want to reach people who are struggling with with grief and struggling with things in their past. And like Victor said, that is a lot of people. That is most people, but specifically people who are hoping are working through it are hope are on the path to working through it we have as victor mentioned you know a lot of mentions of of suicide in the show and things that could be very difficult for people to hear but overall the message is so important to be accepting of self and i think that that's healing so anyone who needs healing should definitely come see the show and i think victor will touch on this a little bit more but definitely young people who will see themselves in the characters and will hopefully accept themselves and and see themselves reflected on stage is really is the people that we're really hoping to reach. That's so wonderful. I love that. Victor, what about you? Who do you hope have access to your show? Ali, Ali uh, mentioned this briefly towards the end. I, it's really important to me that as someone who was miserable as a kid, that we 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 get this in a position where because you know short of a few four-letter words it's pretty much pg-13 you know i would say there's not anything crazy bad and i would love for as many like high schoolers queer high schoolers you know high schoolers struggling with mental illness just any i think that's that's i mean that's not like i wouldn't say the target audience but if you're asking me like a specific group that i would love to see this in addition to the general populace as um, as ali mentioned the umbrella of that yeah i'd love i I work with kids i i teach kids piano i it's really important to me to pass down any joy i can to kids who are struggling or just kids in general because it's it's a struggle to be a kid no matter what so if i had to name like it's a sliver of the population that i would like to see it specifically I would say like teenagers. switch things up now for the second part of our interview and i want to let our listeners get to know the two of you a little bit better i want to start with our perennial first question which is what or who inspires you what playwrights composers or shows inspire you from the past or just some of your favorites and victor is it okay if i stick with you first on this sure sure I am, I've got an <laughs> Angels in America poster right here. <laughs> so they'll hear that my room is a mess, but they won't. I love Angels. I think it's a beautiful show. It's that, that more life poster reminds me to keep going sometimes. I have a friend who I'll obviously keep anonymous, who I was telling Allie, told me a story about their young, when they were in high school, they had a plan to commit suicide. And they went to a sh- local showing of Angels just like a week from when they planned to. And the actor who played prior said, I grant you more life. And just at that moment made eye contact with their area. And they're like 30 something now, still going, still, still. They do a reading of it in Central Park uh, with their friend and by Angela Bethesda every year. Just a, just a loose reading of people changing roles and stuff. 
and they stay there for like six hours in the day by the end of Bethesda. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Anyway, love Tony Kushner. I am, uh, as far as inspirations for the play, a uh, big fan of Jay Dilla's Donuts. It's a hip instrumental hip hop record that was made by Jay Dilla as he was dying. And it has this like flow to it where each song feels like it liquid flows to the next one, but it's all building up to the end. Another great example. And that was big inspiration for the second. Another great example of that is Abbey Road Side B, where you've got all that like huge medley of songs bouncing. And then the inspiring other things that inspire me. I I I, I think as far as plays, yeah, Angels was really inspiring. Movies, I'd say Pan's Labyrinth was a big inspiration for this. The way it it takes a very serious social issue of this revolution in Francoist Spain and makes it into a fairy tale and like juxtaposes fairy tale stuff on top of it. And it all informs each other as opposed to being two disparate narratives. And that was that was huge for me uh, when creating this. And that's just I mean, that's just the nature of magical realism. But that was a touchstone for me, for sure. And I'm a Bruce Springsteen fan. Love Bruce Springsteen wildly misunderstood artist wildly misunderstood we can't even don't even start me on that i'll let ally talk before i start about bruce frankstein <laughs> i love those that list though that's amazing and very inspiring it's amazing alicia what or who inspires you absolutely yeah so i i really love th- this is going to be a pretty basic answer to start but i promise i'll get deeper stephen sondheim I know that that's like probably the most basic thing that a theater artist could say, but I just, the detail and the dedication and the, like all of the different elements that come together in Sondheim musicals really just, it scratches my brain in the best way. And every time I listen to or watch a Sondheim show, I, as a director, I'm like, this is the type of piece that I want to be working on something that is so and Victor actually touched on it earlier this happens in moon school everything is meaningful everything means something in terms of playwrights I'm a huge fan of Lynn Nottage I think that her varied stories from all across time of all different identities and struggles I just think is is incredible and as a director I'm very inspired by a director that works with her frequently Kate Worski she worked on Clyde's, on Ruined, on Sweat, a whole bunch of different, a whole bunch of different Lynn Nottage plays. And I just think that she's in particular really wonderful. I'm also a huge fan of Michael Arden. This season he did Parade and uh, he directed Parade and he directed A Christmas Carol and also was involved with the writing of that with Jefferson Mays. And he just does the most incredible things with staging that I really admire as a director. So I just, if I could, if I could sit down with one director and talk with them, I think it would be probably him or Robert O'Hara, just big fans of, of their work. Yeah. So those would be mine. Also a fantastic list with wonderful, wonderful artists there. Have either of you seen any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? It's kind of funny. I, throughout the rehearsal process for this show, I was actually in Japan with my fiance, who is working there as a teaching artist. So since I haven't actually been in the city since June, so I've missed quite a lot of shows. But prior to that, I would definitely recommend seeing Some Like It Hot before it closes. That was, I am actually a big fan of that show. I really loved it. And... 
I am actually, I have two shows lined up this week that I'm really in, interested in seeing. I've been really excited too. So I'll get back to you on how they are, but I've heard great things about Shucked and Infinite Life at Atlantic. So those are the things I'm looking forward to and something I've seen. I recently saw, well, I saw it again, but I, I do think Hades Town is pretty magical. I think it's, well, I'm not going to talk about my beef with Hades Town, but I do think Hades Town is, I have I have some issues with it, but I think it's like more exciting and creative than, I mean, that's partly due to Rachel, but it's like the, you were on a first name basis. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding, Rachel Chapkin. Uh, but I, I think it's all, I just, the musically, theatrically, it's it's something that at least, I think in score too, the score is so Maybe because it started not as a Broadway musical and as a concept album, the score is so unlike anything I hear. I listen to a lot more scores than I watch shows because of money and time. But I I, I think the Hadestown score is wonderful. You know, actually, Jody showed me something that I really like that I would love to see the show of, but I'm fascinated by the score. It's Islander. I don't think it's up anymore, but it's just two people in a loop pedal. And it's like a weird, like, magical Irish folktale. And it's it's so cool. Oh, and I saw this is a video of a play, but I saw Seawall, the Andrew Scott version. Gut wrenching, just so beautiful. If anyone has YouTube, I don't know if any of you have YouTube, but if anyone has YouTube, any of you crazy cats out there, check it out. It's on YouTube. It has it wasn't on YouTube for years. It was on Vimeo and you had to buy it. And recently it went up on YouTube and I watched it and it is astounding. Um, it's just astounding. Simon Stevens' writing is incredible. And, yeah, and then I also read Duncan McMillan's "People, Places, Things," which is an extraordinary portrait of addiction, but also I think even more so a, a, an ex- incredible deconstruction of how we view identity, like the idea that any of us really exists, you know, as like as like an individual and not as like fifteen million different people, depending on who you're talking to, you know. Like I get really in my my Instagram handle is Victor Jones is a construct because I get really in my head about that, about like, who am I? <laughs> you know, like I get really cerebral about that. But anyway, that those are mine. Those are mine for today. <laughs> that is fantastic. Those are great lists, great suggestions. Yeah. Love all of it. I'd love to ask both of you now, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? And Alicia, I want to start first with you on that. Yeah. So for me, it would definitely be the collaboration that theater requires and brings. I just think that it's uniquely magical. It's because collaboration is the only thing that makes theater happen. You know, you'd, I mean, you can go into a space and you can do a one person show and you can self-direct, but I feel like that it just lacks nuance I mean it doesn't have to lack nuance but I think that being in community and being in collaboration is the best part of theater for me because even though I'm the director I admit day one I don't have all of the answers I don't know all of the things as actors they discover things about their characters they come up with ideas and I love to embrace those things as as a playwright you know Victor will come up with ideas and bring new things in and it just deepens everything. So I think that collaborating on projects is something that I value so much. What a wonderful answer. I love that. Victor, how about you? What is your favorite part about working in the theater? 
I like the collaboration the theater requires and brings. It's uniquely magical. No, but I only say that because that was going to be my nice. answer. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I think it's wonderful. I think, you know, here's the thing. Full transparency. This is my first full production of a play that I've put on, that I've been a part of. And I, I have done a lot of readings. I've written a lot of stuff. I've written, you know, but this is, and just... The and this may be my favorite part of collaborating with Ali more than my favorite part of collaborating in the theater, but just the grace and and generosity with which everyone has accepted me a, into this thing. I, I don't I don't know anything about how to make theater. I now I do, but I didn't when I started. You know, and 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 that that I just looking back on some of the questions I asked, they just sound so inane now. And I'm like, and I'm like, they really just, everyone in the cast and the, and Ali obviously were really just such, it, it's about the play. I feel like in theater, I feel like obviously there are egos everywhere, but I feel like in my experience, it's about making a good product. It is for lack of a less, clinical it's about making good art not about how good you look as an individual it's about the it's about the because of the magical collaboration it's about the it's about the the big picture in a way that i feel like i was in la for four years and i was really trying with screenwriting and i i i, I did a bit of stuff i made short films i was on cruise and i feel like i love film but there's a lot of like, like especially because you got like so many like director, writer, producers, and like people like really just like auteuring as they say they romanticize it. But I feel like with such an open collaborative environment, you are it's mandated that you're focused on the piece, not on the person. And I think that that is something that is unique to such magnanimously collaborative arts such arts where it's not like this is the person in charge and then these are the people under like i i'm, I'm in a band and i'm the front man and i write the songs and i'm in charge and that's okay and everyone's down with it right and that's the fun that but you don't get it ends up being a little bit about what do i look like on stage you know are these sunglasses cool right and i what i love about theater is it's just so even playing field I mean obviously Ali's in charge of rehearsal but even playing fields mostly and that requires everyone to work together for the common good it's a very socialist art form in its way and just, mm -hmm. despite despite the other end of it being wildly capitalist the, 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 the actual creative process is pretty pretty spread out and but, if I could pop on and add one more aspect to this I think we've been super blessed to have and I I can't believe we haven't mentioned them before but like our actors are incredible oh. they came into the audition room the first rehearsal being like here are my questions about my character here are my thoughts about my character coming into this like with such a deep thought process and such a dedication and such a very clear and strong technique that it's made my job really easy. And I just really, I wanted to shout them out because Victor kind of mentioned like how great the actors have been and truly they are outstanding and they make the play what it is. And we've just shaped it. Absolutely. I love all of that. Wonderful answers, top to bottom. 
And a great way to lead into my favorite question, which is, what is your favorite theater memory? So I actually thought about this one for a while because I was like, I I have been an actor. I've been a stage manager. I've been in lighting. I've been a director. I've kind of been all things. And so I was like, what what one thing should I share? But I think this kind of is just a funny anecdote and really is something that I love to tell people about. So I am a trained improviser and I've done a lot of improv for like I think six or seven years. And I don't know if you heard of this show, but at the Daryl Roth Theater in Union Square, they had a show called Hiprov, Hypnotized Improv. And their whole thing is like, we don't have real improvisers. Nobody's set in the audience. Like everybody's just a normal person. And I accidentally got pulled up on stage because I got like, I I went to see the show to be like, oh, this is going to be funny. I'm going to see like normal people do the show. I accidentally got pulled up on stage. I, and I'm not knocking this show at all. I think it was wonderful. I personally did not get hypnotized, but I just was acting really well <laughs> and not to even like say anything about my own self, but like I was just following their instructions and like, but not feeling relaxed at all, not feeling hypnotized at all. And I ended up being one of the performers to do this improv show that was supposed to be like, you know, this, this, like, these are not professional improvisers. And I was like, oh my God, I was not hypnotized the entire time. I actually ended up laughing on accident at one point and the hypnotist like looked me in the eyes and was like, stop it. And I was like, <laughs> and I like went completely blank yet again. And I had to not only do good improv, but pretend to be hypnotized for 90 minutes. And all my friends who went with me thought I was an audience plant. And I had to convince them over and over again. I said, I swear I wasn't. I had no idea. That was a complete accident. So, you know, I just thought that that was something really funny. I accidentally made my off-Broadway debut in a hypnotized improv show. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Wow. That's fantastic. (laughs) That is a fantastic story. I love that. Thank you. Victor, what about you? What is your favorite theater memory? Yeah, I don't know. I want to start by saying I love that you pretended to be hypnotized. I once pretended to be calm when I was really stressed out. So yeah, we've all we've all been there. We've all been there. <laughs> once or twice I've done that. Okay. My favorite theater memory. Well, this is this is a little self-indulgent, but uh, and it's not even theater really, it's like performance. But I uh, the first day of college, there was an open it was Berkeley College of Music, there was an open mic at the cafeteria. And now I had spent the summer doing comedy open mics and they're all tiny. There's like four people there. It's like depressing. And so I'm like, oh, an open mic, no problem. I can do this. So I get to the, the cafeteria and it's a two level cafeteria and both levels are full. That I think there was probably over a thousand people there. And I was like, for some reason, I was just like, okay, I guess I'm doing comedy for a thousand people. This like arrogant, like 18 year old. And so, uh, there's like a John Mayer song cover. There's like a Coldplay cover. There's like all these little Radiohead cover. And then there's me doing like vaguely edgy one-liners for about four minutes while playing piano. And then I get a standing ovation <laughs> from the entire cafeteria. And that's how I met like all my friends. I was at a pizza place afterwards 
and I was eating alone. And my buddy Stone, who I talked to on the phone yesterday, he's in LA. I talked to him all the time. My buddy Stone came in. He's like the most charismatic dude. He had like a girl on either arm and a bunch of friends. And he was like, hey, you shouldn't be eating alone. <laughs> and they all sat down with me. And that ended up being like my group. And so I don't know, just something magical about the way that like a performance can tell people who you are, you know, can really can really bear your soul in a way, even whether it's, you know, theater, comedy, music, you can show people more about you in five minutes than you could in conversation. And I think that's the representation of that. Absolutely. I love that memory. Thank you so, so much for sharing that. Thank you both for sharing these wonderful memories. I love them both. What wonderful performance memories. We love that. (laughs) I want to ask both of you, do you have any other projects or productions coming down the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? We are hoping for a future for Moon School. So there's a hope that we will be able to bring this to a bigger theater and we'll definitely keep you in the loop if that happens. As a director, I I have some small things coming up, but nothing, nothing very concrete either. But yeah, looking into fellowships and really just trying to like focus on like really in involving myself in the field and community space of directing. And intimacy coordination. I'm doing a lot of trainings in intimacy coordination as well. So I guess my plug would be, if you need an intimacy coordinator, a director, or a script consultant, come my way. <laughs> I also just wanted to say, while we're while we're doing plugs, I play m- music live in a band, and I've been taking a hiatus for the play, and I will definitely be going back to that. And it's very theatrical. I do stories, and I get into it. But yeah, that's just if you if you when we do Instagrams or whatever at the end, yeah, you should come see my band too. But come to the play, most importantly. That's the real. That's what we're here for. Don't worry about. But forget everything I just said. <laughs> so with all of these fantastic things going on, I would love to ask my final question, which is: if our listeners want more information about Moon School or about either of you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do so? Yeah, we have an Instagram for the show. It's at Moon School Stage, and we're going to be posting updates. We've got ticket links there, all kinds of things. Got information about our casting crew. And so definitely check us out at Moon School Stage. And you can find me on Instagram at Allie, A L Y, Hom, H O M M, 29. Allie Hom, 29. So that's where you can find me. And all of the above. Also, you can go to the Tanks website to get tickets if you don't have Instagram, if you're like 90 years old or whatever, or or boring. I know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was rude. I actually, if you don't have Instagram, props. That's good for you. Good for you. That's awesome. Instagram is a nightmare. But Moon School Stage on Instagram. And I'm Victor Jones is a construct. Victor with a C. Yeah. On Instagram. Wonderful. Well, Victor, Alicia, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today, for sharing this fantastic show, for sharing those amazing memories, just all of the above. This has been wonderful. So thank you so much. Thank you for having us, Andrew. We really appreciate it. Yeah. My guests today have been the playwright and composer, Victor Jones, and the director, Alicia Hominga both who are with the new show Moon School, playing October 2nd through the 10th at The Tank. Tickets and more information are available at thetanknyc.org. 
We also have some contact information for the show and our guests, which we'll be posting in our episode description as well as on our social media post. But make sure you head over right now to the tanknyc.org and get your tickets for Moon School playing October 2nd through the 10th. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater in a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. Bye.